the word. We just thank you, Father, for this morning that you bless us with once again, O oh Lord. Father, the opportunities that you're giving to us, Lord. Your, your word says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I pray, Lord, even as we listen to your word, I pray, Lord, we will, re- we will receive the word by faith. And even as we receive by faith, Lord, the faith, our faith will continue to increase that you would edify us and strengthen us in our faith. And even as we receive your word by faith, Lord, you would anoint us more with your Holy Spirit. The anointing in our lives will increase. A continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit will increase, O Lord. There will be an infilling, O Lord, of your Spirit in our lives. For your word says, he who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, he does so, not by the works of the law, but by the hearing which comes from faith. And therefore, O Lord, this morning, even as we receive your word, I pray, Lord, Lord, you would empower us with your spirit, anoint us with your spirit, fill us with your spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would rot, begin to rot obedience in our lives even more this morning, O Lord. To that end, I pray that you would bless the ministry of the word, grant us attentive ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord has to say to us. In this last hour of time, we thank you, Lord. We praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. The verse that caught my attention last, yesterday when, when the word was being shared is that one verse found in Matthew chapter 25 in the parable of the virgins, verse 11, Matthew chapter 25 and verse 11 and 12, 11 and 12. Afterward, the other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, just not Lord, but Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Remarkable, isn't it? I'm not saying, uh, I'm not um, reading too much into the text, but this particular phrase, I do not know you, occurs one one other time. In the gospel according to Matthew, and it's found again in Matthew chapter 7. If you run to Matthew chapter 7, let's read from verse 21 to 23. 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, <laughs> Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That is the reason why he says in Luke's gospel, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I asks, ask you to do. Okay. Not everyone, therefore, who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, again, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many, this uh, translation uses the word wonders, it's actually works of power. Works of power in your name. Okay, works of power, wonderful works, other translations will use. It says, done many wonders in your name. And verse 23, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, these are the people who begin to practice lawlessness. 
That's the word which caught my attention. The word, word which I said, you know, I do not know you. And again, when I was looking at the scriptures the other, other time where, uh, this particular phrase, it's, which occurs, I do not know you, uh, say, God says, I do not know you. Depart from me. Okay. Go into perdition. In other words, you who practice lawlessness. You see, one of the signs of the last days, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, we'll read a few verses uh, when the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, um, what will be the sign of the last days? Um, if you turn to Matthew chapter 24, verse 9 onwards, verse 8 onwards, okay, verse 8 onwards, all the all these will be the beginning of birth pangs or the beginning of sorrows. Then they will devil, deliver up to you uh, deliver up to tribulation and kill you, deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then, and then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and worse still, and because lawlessness will abound. The word for abound is the word multiplied. No Grace and peace and love be multiplied here. And because lawlessness will be multiplied or abound, the love or the agape or the, the love of God of many or the love for God and the love of God of many will wax or grow cold. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And that will be the hallmark, one of the hallmarks of the last days. And if you look at that entire passage from verses 1 to 12, it says, uh, and it says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Verse 13, it's it's the first thing he talks about, Jesus talks about deception. That many will come saying that I am the Christ and they will deceive many. And then you will hear wars and rumors of wars. Okay, and then it says ethnic group will rise against ethnic group and kingdom against kingdom. That's the third thing he talks about. He talks about four things. He talks about famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various various places. We have a pestilence which is only increasing, notwithstanding the removal of the lockdown. And you will see the fact, the see that so many. I mean, it's so many people are actually getting getting infected. Just yesterday we were going back home and we saw one one zero eight just close by here. Okay, uh, in Karkana, there was a maid who got uh, COVID and she came and she infected the entire house. So my maid is now scared to come to my house. Okay, so pestilence are just increasing. Famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And he says this will be only the beginning of birth pangs and you will be delivered up to tribulation. Many people will kill you, and it says in John's Gospel chapter 16, they will kill you and they think that they will, they're doing who a favor? God a favor, and they will be hated for my name's sake. Many will be offended, false prophets will arise and deceive many, and it says lawlessness will be multiplied, and the love or the agape of many will grow cold, and he says, he who endures till the end. Under these circumstances, <laughs> will be saved. So one of the attributes that will characterize the last days will be the multiplication of lawlessness. The multiplication of rebellion. That's exactly what we are seeing, isn't it? All around, especially in the most freest country, we see a multiplication of lawlessness. If you turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we'll see this very well. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Okay, just verse 7 and then verses 1 to 4. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. 
and only he who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. The mystery of lawlessness or the mystery, mystery of iniquities, yes. There's a mystery of lawlessness which is already at work and who is restraining? The Holy Spirit is restraining. He's called the restrainer and the moment the restraining influences are taken away and you'll see that slowly the restraining influence, governments are not able to do anything. Or in fact, the authorities are asked to encourage lawlessness. Lawlessness will abound, will be multiplied. And then 1 to 4 of same chapter, 2 Thessalonians. Now brothers, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ has already come. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come first. What will happen? The falling away will come first and the man of sin... Actually, ESV will use the word, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. And who is he? He is the son of perdition. What does he do? He opposes and exalts himself about everything that is called God and that is, that is worshipped. And he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What, what will happen? There will be a falling away or what we call as apostasy. A man of lawlessness will be revealed or the man of sin here in this case. Because 1 John chapter 3 verse 4 is what? Sin is... Lawlessness. Okay, the man of sin will be revealed. He is characterized by lawlessness. He is a man of sin, a man of lawlessness. He is a son of what? Perdition. Why? That means a person who is headed towards destruction. That's what it means. You know, this ultimate son of perdition, who it is, right? A type of it is given in 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 the in the in the in the character of uh, Judas. If you turn to John, John's Gospel, chapter seventeen, verse twelve, you will find him. Find there, Jesus describing Judas. He says, Now I am no longer, 12, verse 12, okay. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. I kept them in your name. I guarded them in your name. Okay, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are protected. So what did Jesus do? He protected them in his name. Okay, so but if you walk outside, those whom you gave me, I have kept. How are we kept? We are kept by the power of God, it says. In First Peter chapter 4, chapter 1. Okay. And none of them is lost except the who? The son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And we don't have to go into the details of the son of perdition because we will know one thing about this guy. He feigned. He pretended. But he was never true. Look at one place. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 4. Sorry, 12, verse 4. 12, verse 4 to 5. 12 onwards. John's Gospel, chapter 12. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He did so, he said so, not because, it says in verse 6, he did. So, he said so, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. Isn't it interesting that Jesus gave him the money box knowing that he was a thief? Isn't it interesting? Stealing Give the Tijorika Chabi Kisko diya? Chorko diya? That's what the one of the indictments against the, the government was, no? Chaukidar? <laughs> Dash. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was indictment. 
So this is this is the guy. He was given the keys to the money box. I I was I I really sometimes wonder, Lord, why did you even give it to him, Lord? And he used to help himself with what was put into it. And Jesus said, let her alone. You see that? He did not, he never cared for the poor. He was a thief. And he helped himself. He was a thief. A thief. And he pretended fantastically. I want to show you how fantastically he he pretended. Okay. Turn to Matthew chapter 26. Hmm? Matthew chapter 26, verse 20 onwards. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were... Okay, so before we go there, just just, just turn to John's Gospel, chapter 13. Um, verse 24. <coughs> verse 21 and then verse 24. 21 onwards. Let's read from 21 onwards. Okay. Then Jesus had said these things. He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another perplexed about whom he spoke. Okay. Now there was a, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, of course this is John. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of him he spoke, of whom he spoke. Everybody is getting convicted. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said, to him, Lord, who is it? Notice the word L-O-R-D. Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now think about it. By this time, John should have thought Judas is the betrayer. But the is such a fantastic pretender. Look at what happens. And then what happens? Verse 27. Now after the piece, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what do you do? Do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. You know why? He fantastically pretended. Nobody expected Judas to be the betrayer. But everybody had the conviction in their heart that they could be a Judas. Do you know that? They were all perplexed, it says. So Matthew chapter 26 actually describes this in even more beautiful detail. I want to show, I want to show you, um, three, four words, four words, which are, which distinguish the disciples who would betray, or the disciple who would betray from the disciples who would not betray or who would remain loyal. Four words, four words, okay? How many words? One, two, three, four, four words. Let us see. Verse 20 onwards. 26 of Matthew and verse 20 onwards. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as he was eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful and each of them began to say to him, four words, Lord, is it I? Okay, now look at this. Okay, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. Still nobody knows. Everybody is thinking that he would be the one. Because everybody in their heart, you should understand, we all have one Judas in our heart. So they all got convicted because they all knew they had the capacity to betray. The son of man indeed goes just as it was written to him, but woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man that that he had not been born. And then, then Judas who was betraying him answered and said, four words, Rabbi, 
Is it I? What is the difference? Lord. For him, Jesus was what? Just another rabbi. To the others, he was Lord. You see, the son of perdition is a lawless one. He is a rebel. The one who betrays is a rebel. Rabbi. He is a tie. He said to him, <laughs> you have said it. But still those people did not understand that it was going to be him. One word. What is that? Lord or Rabbi? What is yours to you? Is he Lord or is he Rabbi? For a lot of righteous people in the world, Jesus is just another good what? Rabbi. Oh, fantastic teachings of Jesus. But is he Lord? No. That's exactly, I believe, the different, when Thomas, you know, when meets, when he meets Jesus, when Jesus asks him to touch his wounds, the resurrected Jesus, Thomas says, my God and my Lord. What would you have me do? Lord. That's how Paul starts his life as a believer, as a disciple. So you need to understand, so that there is a difference. He, so there's a coming of the lawless one. There's a son of perdition. He's a lawless one. He's a rebel. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshipped. And he sits in the temple of God. Who is the temple of God? Who is God now? You and I are the temple of God. Who is worshipping there? Who is there sitting and getting all the worship? It is not God. It is you. Self. We understood that. Falling away or apostasy and falling out of love are intricately connected. Apostasizing and falling out of love. Love, waxing cold are intricately connected. When, uh, when, uh, two individuals, individuals, a man and a woman, fall in love and marry, they fell in love. Okay? There's some kind of an attraction, but what we call as eros, right? Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 and verses 7 and 8. First verse 3 and then verses 7 and 8. Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? They said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. Your heart has become hard. There's no love anymore. Permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And the word divorce, you know what it means? Apostatize. You have become a, you have become so hard now. There is no longer any love in this relationship. And this is how people apostatize or scripture calls them departing from the what God? From the living God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 15. Beware brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily as while it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened. Again, if you see that, depart from the living God, hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And then verse 14 and 15, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of the confidence steadfast to the end. Why it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the Rebellion. You see that rebellion again? Rebellion, hardness of heart and love so intricately connected. That is the reason why in the last days what will abound? Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will wax cold. 
You see, one of the sins that is the most dangerous in the Bible is a sin of rebellion. Okay. I've seen a lot of people getting restored, but I've very rarely seen rebels being restored. Okay. What is the religion of the fallen man? Anybody knows? You know, you've, you've been taught. You know what is the religion of the fallen, of fallen man? It is witchcraft. Witchcraft is the religion of the fallen man. It is. It is not uh, Islam. <laughs> it is not uh, Hinduism or Buddhism. It is witchcraft. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, as by one man's what? Disobedience, sin entered into the world and death through sin. That is the religion of the fallen man. Rebellion apart from God. And you will see God is very tough with rebellion. And you will see the Numbers chapter 16. You don't have to turn there. The hell is opened and rebels are consumed. Okay, you find Enoch and uh, Elijah being taken up, one, two individuals, and a bunch of rebels go straight into hell. So rebellion is something which God is very, very tough with. He doesn't tolerate it. Okay, that is what lawlessness is, is rebellion. If you look at the entire Bible, one guy who characterizes the son of perdition, if you will, a type of it. Okay. And who characterizes rebellion against authority with deception, etc., etc., etc. You know who that guy is? One guy. If you just scan through the entire Bible, one guy who stands out, individual. Well, you're so close, but so far. Excuse me? No. Absalom. Yes, Dr. Luke. <laughs> I want to look at him. This guy is like, he is, he is one epitome of a rebel. He's rebellion personified. If you have to embellish a rebel, okay, and decorate him, this will be the guy. His name is what? Absalom. Oh, you know what? Absalom means, Shalom means peace. Absalom means cause of peace. Father of peace. Av means father. Father of peace means cause of peace. But you know, that is the reason why Jesus said, if I have come in my, my, whose name? My father's name and you do not receive me. Another fellow will come in his own name while they say peace and safety. What will come? Sudden destruction will come. Why? There'll be a man of lawlessness who will be actually masquerading as a, as a man of peace. You want to study rebellion? Study Absalom and get tensed. Let us look at the characteristic of a rebel. I want to, I want to follow his story. There are several passages. I want to look at 2nd Samuel chapter 14 and verse 27 onwards. 2nd Samuel chapter 14 
verses 27 onwards this is after absalom murders his brother amnon and he flees and after how many years he comes back several i think several years he comes back i don't know exactly how many years and he comes back to jerusalem but for two full years he does not see the king's face uh, two full years actually two full years two full years he doesn't see the king's face king doesn't want to see him okay so now he's desperate to see the king's face not because he loves david because he wants to make make his move because he's he knows that there are so many princes and anybody prince prince with an s prince s and anybody could be the king and he wanted desperately to be the next king he wanted to occupy the throne he wanted to be that i mean that epitome of a lawless one right second thessalonians chapter 2 he says he wants to occupy the throne and he wants to use all means possible to come to this point to to usurp if you will to to to, to usurp authority or usurp the throne that uh, god says you can't usurp positions in my kingdom okay let's see second second samuel chapter 14 verse 27 now absalom uh, were uh, to absalom were born three sons one daughter whose name was why did he name his uh, daughter tamar because his sister tamar was killed okay so he reminds him of his sister she was a woman of beautiful appearance maybe he she went after her father then what happened next verse and absalom dwelt two full years in jerusalem but he did not see the king's face therefore absalom sent for joab to send him to the king but he would not come to him because joab <laughs> joab knew absalom very well so he didn't i mean i don't know there's a lot of politics which is going on over here it's very difficult to read joab's mind because joab is a very strange character okay nobody can know what he's thinking okay he's got all he's got a manifold spectrum of attributes attributes good bad and ugly everything okay wicked fellow deceptive fellow good fellow lots of things you cannot you cannot pinpoint he's like a just an absolute chameleon okay chameleon nemantaru danni usarvelli mm usarvelli he's an absolute usarvelli of a of a guy we don't know okay he's a movable guy all right so therefore absalom sent for job it's, it's interesting job was the one who brings absalom back to the kingdom and now uh, but he still doesn't want to uh, associate himself with uh, with uh, absalom lest david you know uh, get some wrong signals he's very careful so he, for for obvious reasons okay the reasons are he is, he also has lust for power that will be uh, shown later on you know you just have to wait okay people will show their true colors you just wait everything will be unfolded the unfolding of your word brings light it says in psalm 119 you give time the unfolding of their characters lots of characters of people will be unfolded just wait and everything will come out it's just a matter of time okay so don't rush into anything just wait you just keep judging your heart and keep dealing with your your own heart people will be showing that's the reason why in in paul says in second timothy chapter 5 he says some people's works or sir some sin, people's sins are very obvious some people's sins will follow in the same way good works are are very obvious some people's good works will follow okay therefore absalom sent for job to send him to the king but he would not come to him and when he sent again the second time he would not come 
So, look at this fellow. So he did, said to his servant, see Job's field is near mine. He has barley there. Go set it on fire. Okay, they're all neighbor. By the way, you know who's Joab, who Joab is? Joab is the son of David's sister's Zeruah. Because they're all family. Okay. So he's in basically his mama or some uncle. Some, some relationship is here. Or cousin, I don't know. Cousin. He is his first cousin maybe. Joab is his first cousin. So, so first cousin from his mother's side. So, from his father's side, Attas, Attas Koduku Nana. Okay, Atta Koduku. Bava. Ah, he's a Bava. Okay. Joab, Joab is Absalom's Baba. Okay. So, basically. So he said to his servant, see Joab's field is near mine and is barley there. So go and set it on fire. And Absalom's servant set the fire on, uh, set the field on fire. So Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, why have you set, set uh, why have your servant set my field on fire? This is remarkable. This is one of the most incredible things about Absalom. You see, whatever comes out of the man's mouth reveals his heart. What is happening over here? I mean, you need to understand the old covenant, very int- the law more precisely. Turn to Exodus chapter 22 verse 6. You will find something very interesting over there. Exodus chapter 22 verse 6. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that stack grain, standing grain or the field is consumed, <laughs> he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. So this fellow knows the law. Who knows the law? Absolutely knows the law. You know, First Timothy chapter 1 verse 8, something very interesting is said about the law. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. No, what is the fulfillment of the law? Love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm to its neighbor. If it does any harm to its neighbor, then it restores. This fellow, he is using the law unlawfully. Look at the next verse. Verse 9. Knowing this, the law was not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, the rebels. For the ungodly and for sinners. For unholy and profane. For murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers. For manslayers. This is Absalom. Law is only... By the works of the law, no man is justified. What does law bring? Law brings the knowledge of sin. It brings conviction for sin, but it never saves you. But you, this fellow uses the law for his own purposes. He's a lawless fellow. You see how this people... Use, you know, basically. Unholy, profane. So, <laughs> Job also knew the law. This fellow, somebody has to give me restitution, but he understood that it is Baba, Aludu, who has done this. Then Job arose and came. So, go back to Second Samuel chapter 14. Look at, these are, these are subtle attributes of Absalom. Rebel. It says, one day, when the lawless fellow comes, what does he do? He changes the what? He changes the laws. In other words, he changes the laws to affect his own interests. Suddenly, we'll start changing the law. That is how lawless people come into power. When, that's what happens when lawless people come into power. 
Then Joab arose and came to Absalom's house and said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? <laughs> then, go on. then Absalom answered, Joab, Look, I sent to you, saying, Come here, so that I may send you to the king to say, Why have I come from Geshur? I would be, it would be better for me to be there still. Now therefore, let me see the king's face. But if there is iniquity in me, let him... Oh! This is all pretend, pretend. They are people who are not sorry for their sin. They are after power. We'll understand this. Okay, I'm just putting the uh, context over here so that we will understand the heart of Absalom. So Job went to the king and told him. And when he had called for Absalom, he came to the king, bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king. Then the king kissed Absalom. That is how relationship is restored. No, there is no rest. There is no peace, but there is only truce. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Not truce with God. What is truce? Anytime war can break out. <laughs> that is what truce is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Anytime. That is what rebels do. Are I don't have the resources to uh, fight you. So what will I do? I will agree for a truce. But the day I have strength in my hands, then you will, then I will show you my true colors. That's the difference between peace and truce. Lot of people make truce with God, not peace with God. They know, oh, I, I messed up. But they never have conviction for sin. They never have genuine repentance. They don't have godly sorrow. All that they have made is truce. That's exactly how they make truce. With their, in their relationships. There is only truth. There is no peace. They have not dealt with issues. They are avoiding issues. They are circumventing issues. What they have is truth and not peace. What do you have? Peace with God or truth with God? Important question to be answered, right? When will we be justified by faith? When we have confessed and repented and renounced and we had Godly sorrow that brought about and brought about repentance in our lives. That is when justification happens. Justification doesn't happen any other way. We are not saved by our works, but there, there is definitely repentance before justification happens. Isn't it? Did you ever have a guy who is justified truly without repentance, without genuine repentance? No. Even the Gentile church, even Cornelius, whose good works were reached up to heaven, he had to hear the word. And when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, when Peter is giving his discourse, you know what those people say? No, we also understand that God has granted what? Repentance to the Gentiles. It's not by works. There is genuine repentance, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. What this, what this uh, Absalom had, he's not peace with God. <laughs> he had Truce with God. That's exactly what the devil has now. Truce with God. Okay. Ultimately one day, you know what he's going to do? He's going to be let loose for after a thousand years. Then he's going to take the entire bunch who are there in the millionaire kingdom. And what is he going to do? He is going to rebel against God. But anyways, skip that is in mind. Let's now turn to Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 onwards. Now we'll see the great man, Absalom. After this it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. I call this the celebrity attitude. 
What attitude? Celebrity. 50 men to run before him. What did he have? He had charisma. But not character. Thank you, Dr. Luke. He had charisma and not character. Why charisma, Baba? Chapter 14, verses 25 to 26. Now in all Israel, (laughs) there was no one who was praised as much as Absalom for his what looks? Good looks. What is he? Celebrity. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him at all. Boy, he was like the model man. And people get carried away with charisma. You see, in any class for that matter, the maximum number of people who will go, I mean, talent will attract friends. Okay. First rankers will have a bunch. Beauty will have another bunch. But what about all those people who are not so talented, not so beautiful? What did he have? Charisma. And then, next verse. And when he cut his hair of the, cut the hair of his head, at the end of every year he cut it because it was heavy on him. Bah! And when he cut it, he weighed the hair of his head. That means he said, look at my hair boss. 200 shekels according to the king's standard. This is what we call as vanity. This is Absalom. The man of the flesh. Okay. Perfect. Six, six, six. You cannot see any blemish outwardly on him. But what is he inwardly? Full of lawlessness. Dead man's bones. It's like a white washed tomb. Beautiful on the outside. Full of charisma. But no character. What is he called? We call him celebrities. Not heroes. Mary Comb is a hero. Because she fought. Priyanka Chopra is a celebrity. Who played Mary Comb. Difference. That's a huge difference. Will anybody ask Mary to come to come and uh, do a beauty uh, whatever shoot? No. But what about Priyanka Chopra? Ha, celebrity. Kapil, hero. 1983. Single-handedly won the World Cup for us. Another guy is there. Who's playing Kapil? A nutcase of the first order, according to me. I don't want to name his name also. I forgot actually. He's Deepika Padukone's husband. What is his name? Right? Ranveer. Celebrity. Why? If you put Kapil Dev in the character of the movie, will anybody watch him? No. That is what we call a celebrity. The other is a hero. Heroes march before their armies. Celebrity have an army marching before them. Charisma, not character, my dear brothers. Absalom had charisma, not character. Why? How is character formed? Character is not formed ordinarily. It's formed in the furnace of affliction. 
NASB. We know this very well. Romans chapter 5. Verses 3 to 5. And not only this, but we also exult in what afflictions or tribulations, knowing that affliction brings about perseverance. Perseverance brings about what character? Proven character. And proven character brings hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. And what happens in the last days? There will be a waxing of the love of God because there is a departing of the Holy Spirit. Right? Why is waxing of the love of God is happening in your heart? Because slowly Holy Spirit is being departed, is, is being, is, is departing from your heart. And even as your, as the Holy Spirit is departing from your heart, what is happening? Your heart is getting harder and harder. And what is increasing? Lawlessness is being multiplied. Simple. Why? Because there is no affliction at all in your life. There is no perseverance. And there is no what character? Proven character. But what do you have? Charisma. That's exactly what the first, the Corinthian church were known for. They were known for their what? Their charismatic gifts, but not their character. <laughs> David was a man of character. He was a hero, not a celebrity. He attained the throne. How? Even after he was anointed the king of Israel through hardship. Remember? There were two people who, was, who were anointed. Who were anointed simultaneously? One was Saul who was anointed, and even as was Saul was still living, David was anointed. But Saul had a position, David had authority. <laughs> or rather, really, I mean the anointing. And Saul Saul's anointing left. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord departed from him, but he was still had a position. And what did he do? He respected it. Remember that? He attained, I wrote this down, okay? I just, I was, I was just meditating upon this in the early in the morning. He was a hero, not a celebrity. He attained a throne even after he was anointed as the king of Israel through hardship, primarily by mastering and obtaining a PhD in submission to authority and not rebellion. What did he obtain? A PhD in submission to authority. How? Saul. What should you be? His armor bearer. What should you do? Fight his battles. When he's after your life to kill you, don't even touch him. He loved and served his people who were above him and never allowed even once to raise his hand against God's anointed. God's delegated authority and even uh, God's anointed, which is God's delegated authority. And even to cut off the edge of Saul's robe, he was conscious stricken. You know that? And people do so many things, they backbite, they say all kinds of things against authority and the conscience is not bothered one bit. Remember another guy in the new covenant who was conscience stricken when he spoke against authority? Paul, think about it, no? Paul spoke against the high priest not knowing that he was a high priest. But no, tell me who is the actual high priest already? Who is the actual high priest? Jesus was actually actually the high priest. Is he not honoring Jesus? Yes, he was still honoring Jesus. But did the high priest office was still there? Yes, it was still there. God still did not remove the high priest yet. It's going to happen after 70 years. And what did he do? Oh my goodness, I reviled against God's authority. And he immediately was conscience stricken. And he asked for forgiveness. What are we? Are we people of charisma or character? Not just character. <laughs> Proven character. Because people go after charisma. 
but not after character. That was the problem with the Corinthian church. They had charismatic gifts, not charismatic character. That is to say, the character of the Holy Spirit which is produced in us, the character of the Christ which is produced in us through the Spirit of Christ. What is the Spirit of Christ? The Spirit of suffering. The Spirit of submitting. Spirit of learning obedience to the things that you have what? Suffered. Should not have Christ suffered first and then attained to glory. The spirit of Christ prophesied the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent what? Glories. There's no glory without suffering. And if you want glory without suffering, that is what he's called as lawlessness and rebellion. And, and, and Satan is ready to give it. That's exactly what he says. He showed Jesus all the what? Kingdoms of this world and it's what? Ah, in its glory. He says, all this I will give to you. Just bow down. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou shall worship the Lord God only and him only thou shall serve. In other words, succumb the cross, boss. I will give it, give it all to you. Why, why are you running after character? Isn't it interesting? Two things he says. The ruler of the world has come to me and he found what? Nothing in me. Is there any or any one of you who can convict me of sin? He says in John's Gospel chapter 8. Is there any one of you among you who can convict me of sin? None. The ruler of this world has come and found nothing. What do we want to become? A celebrity or a hero? Let's go after Absalom now. In us, not Absalom here. Let's run after and tackle the Absalom inside of us. Okay. All of us have Absalom's boss. You don't think that this is, I mean, don't imagine one, one face, one character in your mind whenever we are doing it. So let, let you be the imagination here. Okay. And second Samuel chapter 15 now. After this it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses, 50 men to run before him. And verse 2. Now Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. So it was when whenever who had a what? A lawsuit. <laughs> the law is meant for the lawless. Hmm, look at this. The lawless person who is handling the law now. Came to the king for a decision that Absalom would call to him and say, What city are you from? And he would say, Your servant is from such and such a tribe. And then? Verse uh, 3. Then Absalom would say to him, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy or a listener, literally, okay, of the king to hear you. That means king is so busy, he doesn't care about you. Verse 5. So it was whenever anyone came near to bow down to him, that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him. What is the character of a rebel? You speak to people what they want to hear, not what they have to hear. That is a rebel. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 4 will say, Now the Spirit, verse 1 and 1 onwards, <clears throat> verse 1 and 2, 
Now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons speaking lies in hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now this is something very interesting, okay? When um, I was a kid, um, my uncle, no? Um, he was cooking something on the stove. And one of his friends was there. He was telling me of this incident, okay? Uh, one of his friends was there. He cooked something in the stove. He put dal in the stove. And, uh, and after the dal was cooked, okay, the stove is, I mean, the, 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 the vessel is nice and hot. He called his friend. He said, uh, can you just put this uh, dal on the dining table? He says, okay, fine. So he just used his hands because he's used to, uh, dealing with, I mean, working in the kitchen. His hands were hard. Okay, so he just took the <laughs> took the store uh, the, the the vessel like that, and he just gave it to this friend. The friend thought it was not very hot. <laughs> he just took it without any gloves. Okay, without any gloves, he just took it and immediately he just he just shouted ah! and he dropped the whole dal. I looked at my uncle and he said, "Hurry, what happened to you? This was so hot." My uncle said, you know what? I've been working with fire so much, I don't even feel the heat now. On my fingers. It's become what? Seared with a hot iron. That's exactly what happens. This is Absalom. Conscience doesn't bother him at all. Oh my goodness, my dear brothers, think about it. There's no convictions at all anymore. Is pain good? Absolutely. You know, what is the... How do you know that you are a leper? When you have lost sense of touch, feelings are gone. Something can eat you and nothing will... You will not even know pain. Pain is good. What will happen? Some will depart, apostatize from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of what? Of demons. Warren Wearsby calls Absalom a demagogue. And he explains what a demagogue is in an American journalist, Hetchel Menken's way. You know what this American journalist has to say? Who is a demagogue? One who preaches doctrines he knows to be untrue to men he knows to be idiots. Let me, very, very, very straight, but very, very profound. One who preaches doctrines he knows to be untrue to men he knows to be idiots. That is a demagogue. That's Absalom. One who preaches doctrines seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot hand. This absolutely, he doesn't even blink an eyelid when he's lying to you. He can lie with you with a straight face. Sometimes he can feign the lie with a lot of emotion. But it's an absolute lie. Another definition, Warren Wearsby quotes another man. He says, one who advances his own interests by pretending a deep devotion to the interests of the people. That's a demagogue. 
And what do we have in the last days? We don't have shepherds. We have demagogues. What are they doing? They're preaching doctrines that they know are untrue to people they know are idiots. That's exactly what is happening in the last days. You know, Jeremiah will say, no, my the prophets prophesy lies and my people love to have it so. They love it. They love it. They love lies. They love people who will kiss them. Oh, you are going through such a, such a tremendous... No, we are not saying that we should not empathize with people's problems. We are not saying that Jesus empathized, but he never compromised on the truth. He never. Yes, tax collectors and sinners flocked around him, but they did not continue to be tax collectors and sinners. You understand that? Oh, Jesus accepts you just as you are. Yes, but he does not keep you the way you are. The one who keeps you the way you are is a demagogue. Because he knows that you are an idiot. And therefore he gives you doctrines which are untrue. Wow, when I heard that, I was stunned. You know something? It's, isn't it interesting that it's a, it's, it's, it's a judgment on the last days. People who are not able to discern what is true and what is untrue. What is spoken, even if it is spoken, which is spoken as truth, it's still untrue if it is not spoken in the spirit of truth. That is the reason why the woman, the widow in Zarephath will say, will tell Elijah, the words that you, that come out of your mouth, the word of the Lord in your mouth is what? Truth. It's not the word of the Lord is truth. The word of the Lord is truth. Everybody knows that. But is the word of the Lord in your mouth truth? Isn't that interesting? Therefore, what do you love? Kisses? Or rebukes. 26. 27. 6 Proverbs. 27. 6 Proverbs. Faithful are a wounds of a what? Of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. There's a Jewish Bible. Okay. Let me read that to you. The rendering of this. Faithful are a wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are importunate. You know what that word importunate means? They keep on kissing you and kissing you. They keep on kissing you and say, Oh, you're so poor, poor you. They'll keep on kissing you and they'll keep you there the way they way you are. They will say, Your wound is so beautiful. Okay. Keep the wound. What I will do? I will come and pamper your wound. What will I do? You know, sometimes, you know, when you have a irritation on your skin, you can ask, uh, you can, you'll ask your wife, you know, can you just do this like this? Oh, it's so nice. You know, when she's coming and, and she's itching, I mean, the, the other, the outer coat of that wound is itching, itching, and what does she do? She comes and does this. If she, if she puts ointment, it'll burn. But you don't want ointment! Oh, you want people to come and say, oh, you, the wound. Oh, and you'll say, ah, so nice. 
is very nice. That's exactly what Jesus came and asked this fellow who was there for 38 years. Do you want to be healed? Or do you like your wound? You like the attention <laughs> that, you, that your wound brings you? And Absalom is that kind of a guy. The rebel is like that. He will come and say, Oh, your wound, your wound, so oh, poor fellow you are. Understand? Best, better are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. But the kisses of an enemy are importunate. <laughs> They'll keep you there. They like you to be there. They like you not to overcome sin in your life. They like you not to be victorious in your life. Because if you are victorious, then it will be an indictment on their character. They will lose their money. Their whatever fame or their attention. Everything is lost. That's a demagogue. So what does a demagogue do? One who preaches doctrines to know which he knows to be untrue to men whom he knows are dash. I'm not going to say that again. Therefore, Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 will say onwards, I charge you, Timothy, <laughs> I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. So what should you do? Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long, with all long suffering and teaching. So what should you do? Whenever you come to the teaching of the word, be ready for conviction. <laughs> be ready for rebuke. Be ready for exhortation. So that one day you will not be speechless. What did I say? One day you will not be speechless. Buddy, where is your garment? And he was Speechless. Because he had no life. He couldn't answer back to God. There was an, there was no answer of a pure conscience. Turn with me to 1st Timothy. Sorry, 1st Peter chapter 4, chapter 3, chapter 3. 1st Peter chapter 3, the last three verses if I'm right. 1st Peter chapter 3. Yes. And, uh, was 21 onwards. This is also an antitype which now saves baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh. But the answer of a good conscience toward God. <laughs> Through the resurrection of Jesus. The There's no answer. He was speechless. In, even in Hindi, it's a niruttar. Matlab, speechless. Uttar na de, na de pana. Uttar na de pana. Right? That is what it means. You cannot speak. You cannot answer. There's no answer for you. Because your life is an absolute mess. Before God. There's no life. You didn't live as the chosen one of God. So, what do we do? Go back. First, first, second Timothy chapter two. Second, second Timothy chapter four and verse two. Preach the word onwards. Preach the word. Uh, 
Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long, long suffering and teaching. With all long suffering and teaching. And then, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to stories. And verse 5 will say, therefore be watchful. Be watchful. That's exactly what happens to this guy. A demagogue. He deceives and he gets deceived. 313, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 313. But evil men and imposters or seducers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. God is going to do something very interesting with this fellow. Dangerous things. Let's go back to see another attitude. First, he was what? He had charisma, no character. What was he doing? He would speak to people what they like to hear and what they want to hear. That's a rebel. Third, he's a demagogue basically. Third, let's look at Second Samuel chapter 15 and verse 4 now. Moreover, Absalom would say, Oh, that I were made a judge in the land and everyone who had any suit or cause would come to me that I would give them Justice. Meaning what? Who's not? That means, what is he implying? See, these are all very political ways. These are what politicians do. And this is the lawless man. I will give you what? Justice. Meaning, what are you, what is happening? The king is not giving you? What is he becoming now? He is becoming subtly a critic of the king. A critic. A subtle way of criticizing God-ordained authority. That's the characteristic of the lawless one. How was Satan able to deceive one third of the angels? <laughs> Who's called the God of angel armies? The Lord of Shabbat, Konebai? If the, if the angels are the hosts of heaven, who's the Lord of hosts? Jesus himself. Now how was, uh, Satan able to deceive one third of the angels? I believe he he had this Absalom attitude. I mean, rather, Absalom had the attitude of Satan, basically, okay? Why should we, okay? It's not the inverse. Are look at your talent, Ray. There's not, there's not enough justice being done to your talent. That's exactly how companies will say, no? Are there a resume dek? There a payback dek? There's no justice being done <laughs> to your resume. <laughs> if I were your boss, I would give you justice. What is it? A subtle way of criticizing God-ordained authority. Beware. Let me show you an example of how this is so dangerous. Okay, what did I use? Criticizing, the word criticizing. So we'll use a translation, we'll use, we just use the word criticizing, okay, NLT, okay, NLT. For all the Puritans who are upset with me, I'm sorry, but I want to make a point, okay. Numbers chapter 12. 
and this is NLT. Okay, let's read from verse one onwards. While they were in Hazroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized the other translation. We'll use the word <laughs> spoke against. I like this. I like this translation because they become critics. Criticized Moses because he has married a Kushite woman. And they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? And the next word will say, it doesn't say and the Lord, but the Lord heard them. You see, you criticize authority in your bedroom. Words spoken out when nobody is watching. Nobody's seeing. You speak. That's exactly what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. We'll do one thing. We'll sell our parcel of land. Okay. Kitna hai? Ek lakh rupay. Kisi ko mat bol. Pachas azar bolenge. Tik hai? Haan, tik hai, tik hai, tik hai. But who's watching? <laughs> God is watching. That's what, you know, uh, this king of Syria gets upset. He is sending soldiers. And this, that king of Israel is getting uh, saved every time. He is escaping. Why? Because Elisha is warning him. And he is so frustrated and he says, Who is the traitor among us? And one of the guys says, Baba, there is no traitor. We are all your friends. There is one guy, one prophet in Israel. What you speak in your bedroom, he hears in spirit. In his room. What, what do they do? They want to get rid of that fellow. That's exactly. They are criticizing. Miriam and Aaron are criticizing. Why? Hey, he, he married a Kushat woman. How come? He being a Jew, he's marrying a descendant of Ham, <laughs> so to speak. Kushat means Ethiopian, basically. Huh? Kush, Kush is a descendant of who? Of Ham. You are a Shemite, you are ma- marrying a Hamite. Bolke, criticize kare. And it says, but the Lord heard him. And the next verse. Now Moses was more humble than any other person on earth. So immediately the Lord called Moses, Aaron and Miriam said, and said, go to the tent, uh, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. And the three of them went out. Now think about it. Now Moses and Aaron, sorry, Moses, Miriam and Aaron spoke this in their privacy. Lord heard them. Immediately the Lord called these three. What is Miriam thinking? And Aaron thinking, ah, Abhidek, the Lord is going to do justice now. He's going to answer our cause. So they also rushed to the tabernacle of meeting, thinking that God is going to reprimand Moses before them. No, they are in for a big surprise. They don't understand authority. <laughs> Look at the next verse. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle, Aaron and Miriam. Oh, he didn't say Moses. Moses, why did you marry the Kushat woman? Na, 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 na. Aaron and Miriam, come here. And they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to me. Even when prophet, even with prophets, I, I the Lord communicate by visions and dreams. Okay. But the, but it is not how I communicate with my servant Moses. He is entrusted with my entire house. Why? Because he is faithful in all my house. Okay. Uh, uh, what? I did not entrust him. I mean, sorry, he did not entrust himself. I entrusted him. I speak to him face to face, directly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. Should you not be afraid to 
criticism? So when you are criticizing him, who are you, whom are you criticizing? Ah, God. Because you know what? Let me tell you, some, my dear brothers and sisters, there are a lot of critics. I call them armchair critics. They, they, you find them in many, many churches. No, they are they're, they're, they're part of the committee. Board members they are. Okay. Many churches, like many mainline churches, they have board members. I remember Warren Wiersbe, Warren Wiersbe talking about, uh, you know, sharing this interesting incident. So, the son of a pastor, he was first in homeschool. He was homeschooled, okay? He was homeschooled to a, to a certain age. After the homeschooling was over, um, higher grade, he was sent to the college, okay? Now, homeschooling you know, you're in a protected environment, you know, you're a pastor's kid, so you do not, you're, you're, you're in a very nice, godly environment, so he doesn't know the world so much. So he goes into the, uh, goes to the university and college and people start bullying him. And whenever he is bullied, he, he controls himself, controls himself, controls himself, controls himself, and then, now he wants to give it back to these bullies, okay? So he wants to scold them, but he, he doesn't know any curse words. So he looks at these fellows who's bullying him and he says, you board member, <laughs> you, you board member. And then Warren VSB says, no, he said there are Pharisees, there are Sadducees and there are board members. You board member, you, what are these fellows? They're critics. They do nothing. They sit on their armchairs and criticize others. And they think that they are criticizing because the sentence against evil is not carried out immediately. People's hearts are set towards evil, it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. If I'm right. Oh, you're criticizing authority and you're thinking that you're getting away with it. All board members. What do they do? They sit in their committees and they criticize. They evaluate the pastor. I went to one place. No, I don't want to name the place. For preaching. Somewhere. And the commit, after the preaching was over, the committee member said, you know, we are uh, calling another pastor. He's going to come and do a, what is that? A sample preaching, uh, whatever that was. No, He's going to do sample preaching so that we are going to appoint him. We are going to evaluate his preaching and we are going to see if he's going to be fit to be our pastor. We are going to critique his understanding of the word. They have not brought one soul into the kingdom of God. But your methods, brother, they are not biblical. Okay, my methods are not biblical. Oh no, not biblical. Your methods I don't think are um, good or right. That's what they say. Okay, my methods are not good. I don't like your methods. That's what they called, they said to Modi, right? Mr. Modi, we don't like your methods of evangelism. And you know what he said? I also don't like mine. Do we have one? Uh, they said, no, no, no. 
uh, I would rather stick to the methods which I don't like na- rather than have none of your methods which you like. There are no methods for you. What are you? Critics. Oh, there are so many critics, my dear brothers. <laughs> what do they have? They have a criticizing mentality. Have we been your so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so? We would give you justice. I speak to him directly. He sees the Lord as he is. Should you not be afraid to criticize him? And look look at the next verse. The Lord was furious. My God. You want to incur the fury of God? <laughs> criticize Baba. What says those Sammy? <laughs> Get out of God's crosshairs. <laughs> God's crosshairs are tuned towards all those who criticize. God ordained authority. Lord was furious with them and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, Miriam, Miriam suddenly became white as snow with leprosy. When Aaron saw what he had, what had happened, look at what it says. He cried out to Moses, Oh my Lord, please don't punish us for this sin we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. Look at the, look at the graphic description of what it means to rebel against God's God ordained authority. And verse 13. So Moses cried out to the Lord, healer, oh God, I beg you. And the Lord said to her, if her father had spit on her face, wouldn't she have been defiled for seven days? Banish her from the camp for seven days. And after that she may return. You know what happens? For seven days the tabernacle and everybody in the wilderness is stuck until Miriam Miriam is restored. That is how serious this is. Understand. Get rid of that criticizing spirit. We are not saying that we should not judge doctrine. No. I am not saying that. There is a lot of difference between judging doctrine and judging character. Subtle ways of what people do and say. It's a revealer of the Absalom inside of all of us. You know what you should ask God for? Ask God for a love for those people who are above you. What? For a love. You know what is a, what is going to abound in the last days? Lawlessness. Right? So you know what God asks us to do, us to have in order to counter this? Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7. Five things. You should abound. Since you excel, this is NLT. Okay. But as you abound in everything. Okay. What are those everything? First, say in faith. In faith. Second, in speech. Third, in knowledge. Everybody loves to increase in faith. Oh yes, I love it. How many of you want to increase in knowledge? Oh, fantastic. All of us want to increase in speech and in knowledge. Okay. In diligence, slowly that character is coming. Okay. In diligence, yeah, yeah. I want to be diligent. Fifth one, in your love for us. Abound. Not us meaning, those who bring the word to us. Let's tackle Absalom again. Go back to Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 5. 
and so it was whenever anyone came to five and six okay together okay and so it was when whenever anyone came near to bow down to him that he would put out his hand and take him and kiss him in this manner absalom acted toward all israel who who came to the king for judgment so absalom kya kya kiya usne stole the hearts of the men of israel churaliya kiska dil absalom ne likha hoga na Now think about it. Absalom did not win the trust of the people. He stole the hearts of the people. Difference. David won the trust of the people of God by fighting the Lord's battles. <laughs> And this fellow is stealing the hearts of the people of God by feigning love. First Samuel chapter 18. Verses 14 to 16. Look at what it says. And David behaved wisely in all his ways. And the Lord was with him. Therefore, when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. That means Saul is trying to kill him and this fellow will not say one word against Saul, lift one finger against Saul. He will not do it. And then, but all Israel, look at this, all Israel and all Judah, what? They loved David. He didn't steal their hearts. How did they love David? Because, look at this. All Israel and all Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Numbers chapter 27 verses 15 to 17. Then spoke, Moses, then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord the god of the spirits of all flesh so look at this look at this look at this look at this okay let the lord the god of the spirits of all flesh set a man over the congregation of israel who may go out before them and go in before them who may lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the lord may not be like sheep without which have no shepherd who is that person joshua <laughs> Joshua was going to be that person. Then you know next verse. In fact, you can see the next verse, verse eighteen. And the Lord said to Moses, "Take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the what spirit, and lay your hand upon him. Set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him or ordain him, inaugurate him in their sight." And we know Joshua. He was fighting the Lord's battles when you, when 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 Moses said, "Go and fight the Amalekites," went and fought the Amalekites. When he went to the mountain, he also went to. The, he's called what the what of Moses? He's called the assistant of Moses. Moses assistant. That's the reason why I like I like the title assistant. I like it. It's a good assistant. It's a good title to have. Proverbs chapter sorry, not Proverbs. Psalm seventy eight, verse seventy and seventy seventy onwards, seventy to the last verse. Seventy eight from seventy to the last verse. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. And what did he do? From following the wolves that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the in. 
integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Do that, this, this, does this Absalom integrity of heart? No integrity. Does he have skillfulness? No skill. No integrity? No skill. He has only deception. With deception he has killed his own brother. And with deception he wants to usurp God's throne. That's a rebel. That is a lawless one. What did he do? He stole the hearts of people. He did not win their trust. There's a sea difference between the two. Winning trust, you have to be consistent. So that people will know that this guy is consistent. Some people like you, some people don't like you. But you're not going to change. John's Gospel chapter 10, look at what it says in verse 7 from verse 7 onwards. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were, what? Are thieves and robbers. What did Absalom do? He stole. (laughs) He stole the hearts, right? Whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear him. I am the door. If anyone... If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will what? Go in and go out and find pasture. You see that? And the next verse. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have more abundantly. What did, what did Absalom do? He was stealing the hearts. You know, stealing or stealth go together. You know that? Steal or stealth? To steal. Stealth is the adjective? In by stealth. Yeah, yeah. Stealing and stealth go together. Pretender. Feigner. That is the reason why John's Gospel chapter 5 verse 43. You know what it says? We we saw that already. I have come in my father's name. And you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive it. So what happens? Second Samuel chapter 15, from verse 7 onwards, now in the ESV, NIV. Verse 7 and 8. At, uh, 15, 7. And at the end of four years, Absalom how many years? For four years he was pretending. And slowly was what he was doing? He was stealing the hearts of the people. Very patient. I don't I think somebody wrote a book. I don't know the author. A vulture is a patient girl, patient bird, it says. A vulture is a patient bird. I think it was the guy whom I'm not supposed to mention. Pastor James would definitely know it. <laughs> I'm sure he read it that. Okay. Vulture is a patient bird. He's a vulture. Very patient. That's exactly how, that's, how Satan is. You are impatient. He is very patient. Slowly. He brings deception and deception and deception. Slowly he starts stealing your heart. Keep separating you to himself. I know what happens. You know the end of of Absalom. You know the story. I'm not going into the details. I'm just looking at certain things. 
He wanted to usurp God's throne. Chapter 15, verse 8. For your servant vowed a vow while I lived at, okay, at the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, please let me go and pay my vow, which I vowed to the Lord in Hebron. Oh, why Hebron? For obvious reasons, because that is where David started. Now, how did he enter into Hebron? Remember the kinds of struggles that man had to go through? For your servant vowed a vow while I lived at Geshur in Aram, saying, if the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, then I will offer worship to the Lord. Then the king said to him, go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Arose and went to Hebron. And you know it very well. Verse 12, last verse. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, <laughs> the Gilonite, David's counselor, from his city Gilo. And the conspiracy grew strong. And the people with Absalom kept increasing. Don't worry. You see, that is the reason why it says in Luke's Gospel chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, woe to you if people say good about you. So they also did with the false prophets. Number is not important. How many are really loyal to you and who really, really love the Lord? That is important. And you know the story. Absalom is dead. That is Absalom. That is the rebel. And what's the way out of this? <laughs> we all want. We all know that there is an Absalom residing in all of our hearts. How do we tackle him? What does the new covenant teach us? First, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to show you five uh, ways of tackling this guy. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 15 to 17. First, but the Holy Spirit also also witnesses to us for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will will make them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And then, then he adds their sins and their lawlessness or lawless deeds I will remember no more. So what should you have? You need to have a new heart first. First thing, a new heart. Then that new heart is a teachable heart. Romans chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. The second one. But God be thanked that though you were once slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart because you have a new heart. That form of doctrine to which you were delivered and then And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. And he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, because lawlessness is going to abound. So now, present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And what is the biggest member? Jeeb, tongue. Present your tongue. You know why? Because a tongue is the most dangerous part of your body. Like I, I remember that uh, statement Pastor made. You may be having thoughts in your minds, 
but until unless you speak it the thoughts don't become action so cut it off at the thoughts let let it not be brought it your brought your mind thoughts and your tongue so these two tackle mind and tongue third hebrews chapter 1 verse 8 and 9 you know this very well But to the son he says your throne o god is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom you have what loved righteousness and hated lawlessness what is the opposite of righteousness lawlessness therefore god your god has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions you know what you should hate you should hate that lawlessness in you you should hate that rebel inside of your heart hate him recognize him and hate him okay fourth Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship has what righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? So what? Change your company. Why? Chapter fifteen, First Corinthians, and verse thirty-three and thirty-four. do not be deceived evil company corrupts good manners or good habits awake to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of god i speak this to your shame so change your company iron sharpens iron so does the countenance of a friend so change your company change your company rather choose your company wise I sh- I'll see your company and know exactly where you're going. Who's in your company? Ahitofel. <laughs> you know where you're going. Thirteen twenty Proverbs. Walk with the wise, and you will become wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. You see that? Change your company. Change your company. <laughs> not from google to microsoft from fools to the wise from idiots to the intelligent first corinthians sorry proverbs chapter 15 was 31 and 32 can you put it in niv please if you don't mean if you don't mind 15 was 31 and 32 i love this because i i mentioned it several times but once more he who listens to life giving rebuke will be at home among the wise just don't walk with the wise be at home with the wise stay in the company of the wise that is what we call as fellowship he who ignores discipline despises himself but whoever heeds correction gains understanding so we looked at four first what get a new heart teach your new heart which is teachable of course third love righteousness hate lawlessness fourth common a teaching basically okay second is common a teaching third is love love righteousness and hate lawlessness fourth change your company fifth practice makes permanent 1 john chapter 3 verses 4 to 7 who are commit sin also commits lawlessness sin is lawlessness and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him there is no 
sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Therefore, practice. Repeat it over and over and over again. Bless your enemies over and over and over again until it becomes a part of you. Put off the old man and put on the new man. But how? By being transformed in the spirit of your mind. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22. 4 verse 22. Verse 4, chapter 4 verse 22. Practice makes permanent. Why? Matthew chapter 7. Verse 23. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who? Practice lawlessness. Okay. If you practice lawlessness, you will be a perfect lawless fellow. That is the reason why he says, can a leopard change its spots? Can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil? That is what is accustomed? Disciplined. Who are practiced to do evil so much, can you become good? No. So what is that? Replace the old habits with new ones. Practice, 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 practice lawlessness. Sorry, practice righteousness. Practice makes permanent. Understand that everybody. Okay? So, five things we looked at. How do we fight this lawless spirit inside of us? First, a new heart. Come under teaching. Which causes you what? To surrender your members as instruments of what? Of righteousness. Especially your tongue. Come under teaching which will ask you be slow to speak, quick to hear. How many ears do we have? Two. How many mouths do we have? One. So, you have to hear double and speak half. Honestly, no, that is, exa- I mean, it's a very, it's a cliche, but it's obvious, but it's good to remember cliches. Speak very little in a day. Because in a multitude of words, there is no lack for sin. Proverbs chapter 10. Okay. Non-stop. Okay. Pray non-stop. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't say speak without ceasing. Okay. Come under teaching, which will ensure that you surrender the members of your body as instruments of righteousness, of righteousness and not lawlessness. Righteousness leads to holiness and lawlessness leads to perdition. A love for righteousness and a hatred for lawlessness. Hmm. Change your company and then practice makes permanent. We all have an Absalom. Tackle that fellow before he gets the better of you. Amen? Shall we pray? Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. All of us have an Absalom. That criticizing spirit. That spirit which wants to be a celebrity. The spirit which is after charisma and not character. Grant us grace, O Lord, that we will recognize 
that spirit in us, we will truly say, Lord, is it I? And not Rabbi, is it I? Grant us grace to that and we pray. And grant us grace to tackle the Absalom in our hearts. We thank you, we praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow again.